In the second talk on Vayikra, the Rebbe deals with a Talmudic statement with the end, the conclusion of the tractate of Menachas, and analyzes the statements made in the Mishnah and following that in the conclusion of the Talmud of the Gemara, um, and with dealing with topics, dealing with with uh, with with issues that relate to the parsha of Ayikra, that relate, relate to the offerings. The final Mishnah in Menachis says as follows: When the Torah tells us about the offering of an animal, it uses the term Ishe Reach Nichalach, a pleasing offering for Hashem. When dealing with the offering the Eilasa'if, the offering of a bird. It uses the term Isha Reach Nichayach Lashem, a pleasing offering for Hashem. And when it deals with a mincha, with a meal offering, it uses again the same term. To teach you, Echad Hamarbe, Echad Hamamit, one who gives more, one who gives less, as long as their heart is focused towards heaven. Right? The amount makes no difference. What matters is the intent. The simple meaning of the Mishnah is since he uses the same term in all three cases, that emphasizes, that proves that even if the person giving less, as long as he has in mind for heaven, that's as valuable as the one who gave more. The Gemara comments on this Mishnah and says, My Kra, Amar Rabzeira said, My Kra, what is the verse that teaches you this? And he goes on to quote a verse in Kohelet in Ecclesiastes that says, shina The worker's sleep is sweet, whether he eats a lot or a little. Ravada Barava quotes another verse in Kohelet. Rabbi asked the question first of all, why is the Gemara asking what's the verse? The Mishnah already proved this point from a verse, from the use of the term Reach Nichach Yishel Hashem. And if for whatever reason you do need the verses, then why didn't the Mishnah prove it from there? Why did the Mishnah just bring it from our Parsha? Then the Gemara goes on to bring a Brisa, that's in a Mishnahic statement that wasn't included in the Mishnah, that explains three aspects of the offerings that all have a, 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 a novelty. Tanya, we learned in Abraisa that Rabbi Shimon Manazeh said, come and see that in the entire discussion of the karbanot, of the offerings in the Parsha, it doesn't use any of the other names of God, Kael, Elohim, it only uses Hashem's name, Shem Havaya Hashem's name. Why? Not to give any room for a baldin, for one who is arguing, to argue, and as Rashi explains, to say that the many different names used for God reflect the fact that there are many deities. Then the, the Brisa goes on to say, by a fat ox, it says a pleasing offering. By a thin little bird, it says a pleasing offering. By a meal offering, it says a pleasing offering. To teach you, whether he gives more, whether he gives less, as long as his heart is dedicated to heaven. And maybe you'll say that God needs the animal, needs the offering in order to eat. Therefore, the verse tells us, If I will be hungry, I won't tell you. For the world and everything contained within it are mine. And goes on to quote other verses that prove the same point. And the conclusion is, not for my sake, not for my will, are you are you slaughtering the animal, are you bringing the, the animal, but for your own sake. As the verse says, For your own will, for your own sake, you'll bring the offering. 
The Rebbe asks a number of questions on this. First of all, what's the connection between these three different statements? They seem to be three unconnected statements, and yet Ben Azai includes them all as one continuous teaching. Secondly, what does it help that in the story, in the discussion about offerings, the Torah only uses one name for God? There's many names for God used in many different places. So what does it help that in this one particular instance it doesn't use multiple names? Why would we say that the person arguing is called a baldin, the one who is arguing that implies that he has some point and we have to argue with him if he's somebody that's denying God's oneness? Then the second statement of Ben Azai about the one who gives more, the one who gives less, seems to be the exact statement that was already made in the Mishnah. Why is he repeating it? And he changes the language of the Mishnah. Instead of saying the animal offering and the, and the bird offering, he says a fat ox and a, and, a, and a thin bird. Also, why would anybody think that God needs to eat? And that we need to say, oh no, it, we're going to bring various proofs to prove God doesn't need the food to eat. Who would think that? And if you do somehow need to think that, then it should be at the very beginning of the discussion of the offerings, which was this entire tractate of Menachos and the one before it of Zvachim. It should have been right at the beginning. Why did it leave it for the conclusion of the second tra tractate? And finally, when, Reb, when Ben Azay is proving that God doesn't need it as food to eat, he doesn't prove that God doesn't eat. Rather, he says, if I'm hungry, I won't tell you because the world and everything in it is mine, which implies that there is possible to be hunger. It's just that God isn't going to ask us to slake that hunger. So the Rebbe says the explanation in all of this is as follows. Why would there be more and less? Why would you think that there's a difference between the person who's bringing more and who's bringing less, there's two ways, there's two elements, two ways of looking at it. There's the person bringing the offering. You could have a discussion whether this is the appropriate offering for them to bring. And then there's God. Is this enough for God to accept it willfully? And in this, there's a difference between the Mishnah and the, the Mishnahic statement and the Talmudic statement that follows, says the Rebbe. The Mishnah is talking about the primary function of an offering, which is with whether God accepts it. And therefore, the Mishnah proves it from the verse of this week's parasha, Reach Nichayach Ishal Hashem. God says, I accept it as a willful, as a pleasing offering. In other words, God is saying, as far as I'm concerned, you gave, brought more, you brought less. As long as you had the right intent, that's all I cared about. But there's still the discussion possible whether the person who's bringing, sure, God is accepting it. But for me, as the person bringing it, was that enough? Was I doing my part completely? And that's why the Gemara still asks, what's the verse that proves to you that even for the person, it won't make a difference whether it was more or less, if they were bringing the appropriate amount? So that's why the verses that it quoted are, are verses, the question is, my crow, what's the verse? Meaning not that it's asking, is this good enough? We already said in the Mishnah it's good enough. And we already brought a verse. It's asking, where do you see in the verse that the person too, since the primary function of the offering is to be pleasing before God. So therefore, for the person bringing it, it's also enough regardless of what amount they brought. Therefore, the, therefore the Gemara brings proofs from verses that talk about the Ayved, the worker, and the, the, the Ba'aleha, its owner. In other words, the focus on the person, and there too say the bigger amount and the lesser amount are both equally valuable, are both equally accepted. In, in connection to that, Ben Azai brings down the Brisa with these different statements. In other words, Ben Azai starts with 
that it uses only one name for God in the in the in the in the discussion about offerings. In offerings, there's different types of karbanot. There were different types of offerings. Some were brought as a uh, as as an atonement. Some were brought to find favor before God. Some are brought as an expression of joy and thanks. In because of that, it would have made sense to actually find different names used for God to express the different ways in which the divine attributes are manifested, the different elements or the different uh, relationships we're engendering with these different offerings. Says Ben Azai, no, it uses only one. And he brings the explanation not to give room for Baldin, for the one who's arguing to, to, to argue. What does that mean? He's not talking about somebody who's denying the oneness of God. He means to say that the person who recognizes, of course, there's only one God and there's nothing else. But he still might think that in God, there's many aspects. In other words, just like in a person, there's my kindness, there's my severity, there's my mercy. And each one of those attributes represents a different element, a different expression of who I am. It would be possible for somebody to understand these ideas and their basic meaning, and therefore to assume that the same is true for God, that there's different components of the divine. And that's why it says, no, for that reason, it uses only one name for God, specifically in the portion of offerings. Other places, it uses different names to express different ways in which God chooses to manifest himself. But when talking about the offerings, that there's different elements and different intents included within them, we emphasize, you should know that that's only one God. There's only one, there's really no separation, God's kindness, God's severity, that's all one God, and just God choosing to manifest in different ways. And for that reason, even with all of these different types of offerings, what name does he use? He uses only the name Yudke Vavke, Hashem's name. Why? Because that represents godliness as he is beyond the, the, the source of all creation and the essence as it is beyond the specifics, the details of the way in which he manifests in this world. And that's why regardless of whether the person is bringing the offering for a sin or he's bringing the offering as thanks, etc., etc., for this, on this level, on the level of Hashem's name, on the level of the essence, there's never any separation, there's never any difference. And based on that, if that's the case, if that's the reason why it's using only one name in order to emphasize that there's only one, there's true oneness with, with regard to Hashem. If that's the case, then we're focusing on the way in which God accepts the, the, the offering, not on the person who's bringing it. The whole point is that whether the person sinned or the person did a mitzvah, it, it doesn't, isn't strong enough to impact the essence of godliness. If that's the case, you might think, well, still for the person bringing it, there's still a difference. And that wasn't addressed by the Mishnah, because as we mentioned, the Mishnah was addressing that to God, God is willing to accept it in the same way. That's why the Gemara comes, that's why the Brisa comes along now and says, no, I'll emphasize, and specifically not with the emphasis on the name of the ver of the offering being brought, which has to do with how God is accepting it. But what the person is bringing, is he bringing a fat ox or is he bringing a thin bird? And the emphasis is still, it makes no difference. The quantity isn't what matters. Still, it's the intent, as long as he turns his heart to Hashem, that even for the person, the same will be true. Now that it emphasized that 
the main thing is for the, that even for the person, there's no difference in the degree of, 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 the, of, the, of the animal being brought. If that's the case, that we're focusing primarily on the person, by the way, then it makes sense why it doesn't em- <coughs> emphasize the verse, reach it, 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 it doesn't um, emphasize but it still quotes the verse of Reach Michayach of it being a pleasing offering because the Brisa is explaining why it makes no dip, why for the person the quantity also doesn't matter. Why? Because Ishe Reach Michayach, because it's a pleasing offering for God. In other words, since the whole purpose of the offering is to be a pleasing offering for God, and to God the quantity doesn't matter. So therefore, for the person bringing it, also the quantity doesn't matter. And therefore, it's able to bring the same verse as a proof that the Mishnah brought. And that's the connection to the third statement as well. You might think that God needs to eat. In other words, obviously we know that God doesn't need to eat, right? But what is eating? When we eat, eating means that we are revealing our connection. That's what eating is what brings about our soul, our life force to be manifest within our body. Now the Sifri says that when Moshe said to God, the Medrash says that when Moshe said to God, why don't you appoint a leader upon the Jewish people? So he said to him, it's, it brings, the Medrash brings a parable to a king that his wife was about to pass away and she was warning him to take care. She was instructing him about, about focusing, about taking care of their children. And the king said to her, instead of focusing on telling me what I need to do for our children, why don't you tell our children to make sure not to forget me. So too, God says, why are you focusing on telling me to appoint for them a leader? Why don't you instead tell them to bring the daily offering, that's what Moshe did in response, to make sure that the Jewish people are constantly remembering me. That means that by the Jewish people bringing the offering, they're expressing our complete and total awareness that God is master over the world, that God is in control of this world. And that's why it's referred to as eating. Because when we eat, it makes our, our life force expressed and manifest within the world. The, 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 uh, our sages tell us, just as the soul fills the body, so too does God fill the world. When we bring an offering, we manifest God's presence in the world and show how the entire world is really to connected to God. So God says, if Ben Azai says, then maybe you think you might think that because God wants God desired to have a dwelling place in the world, that will mean that He needs to eat. In other words, that He cares about being manifest. It's the divine presence being manifest in this world, and therefore the offering being brought is, as it were, a favor for God. So it doesn't answer he doesn't eat. That's true. But God says, no. He, he, ben Azai quotes the verse, If I'm hungry, I won't tell you. In other words, what God wants, he's able to deal with on his own. And when he tells us to bring the offerings, the point of telling us to bring the offerings is for our benefit. And that's why it concludes, it's not for my sake that you're bringing the offering, but rather for your own sake, as it says, for your sake, you'll bring it. That whether you bring more, whether you'll bring less, it's it's for your own benefit that you're bringing this offering in order to connect. 
Nonetheless, the Rebbe concludes, even though God, as it were, has other choices, the world and everything in it is, is his, nonetheless, once he instructs us that we should be the one to bring his offerings, we should be the one, ones to, to bring the food. So even though technically, if I would be hungry, I wouldn't tell you, I wouldn't need your help, God, God says. Nonetheless, by instructing us to do so, it's as if, so to speak, He chose to need us. If He chooses to desire the work of our hands, that through us bringing an offering, we're actually the ones who accomplish the true purpose of bringing about a dwelling place in the lower realms. In the uh, in the Fabrengen, the Rebbe went on a little bit later in the Fabrengen, was talking about an appeal as was made in the Fabrengens of the 6th of Tishrei when this, was, when this talk was, was said. There was always a, uh, a, a collection of charity for the sake of a, a fund that was created in memory of Rebbe Tzinchana, of the Rebbe's mother, whose yard site is on that day. The Rebbe, at that point in the Fabrangian, said, even though we talked about that whether you give more or you give less, it's the same thing, he said that doesn't apply to charity. Why doesn't it apply to charity? Because in staka and charity, we find that the main focus isn't for the person who's giving it. The main focus is for the recipient to have the recipient's needs met. And since the focus is on the recipient's need, needs being met, so in that case, hamarba, there definitely is a great advantage to one who gives more. That's uh, giving more actually achieves the purpose, actually accomplishes. Because the focus isn't on what it's doing for me. The focus is on the recipients, on whether, in fact, everything that needs to be taken care of is being taken care of.